Welcome to Day 57 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp. I'm here with uh, Matt Kresge. Hey, Matt. Good to see you. (laughs) (laughs) And Katie Kresge. Hello. Yeah, it's always fun to get together and read scripture in community. Uh, This is something uh, we've done as staff for quite a while, and it's fun to do this with you and uh, to know that uh, as you're reading, uh, that you're joining with us. And you also have the opportunity to gather a group of friends together and uh, join with them in reading scripture together as well and to be shaped by it. Last week, we began the book of Acts. It's one of the most exciting books in the New Testament. It belongs together with Luke. We began with the Gospel of Luke and Luke Acts belong together, even though in our New Testaments are separated by the book of John. Uh, but it's a single uh, story, the story of uh, what Jesus began to do and teach is what uh, how Luke describes it. And the exciting thing about that is, is Jesus still is doing and teaching through his people, through the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, as we read uh, through the book of Acts. So today we're in Acts chapter 4. Uh, we had the beginning of the church. We had the exciting day of Pentecost. 3,000 are added. And the believers are together. They have everything in common. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. And uh, the church is forming, and then we would just kind of come into the normal everyday life of this new group of people as they live in Jerusalem. And that's uh, the outline of the book of Acts. Uh, Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And we're going to stay there for a little while mm-hmm. until the disciples actually get expelled from the city of Jerusalem, and then the gospel begins to spread. So we pick up in verse 4. Peter and John have just healed a man who's been begging at the beautiful gate of the temple for most of his life. He goes into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. And Peter and John use this moment to point to Christ and to point to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's not setting well uh, with the high priest. Mm -hmm. So we begin in chapter 4, verse 1. But um, before we do, as we always do, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Katie, do you mind lifting us up? Father, thank you for this moment that we have together as um, as your people, as your church, and um, would you use it to to continue to teach us who you are, reveal yourself and your heart to us, um, and as we read um, about your disciples and acts, Lord, would you just continue to um, give us an example of what it's like to be a new covenant people, people who are um, who are living just under the grace that we've been given. In, in the blood of Jesus. Um, and so thank you for this time. Would you use it um, to shape us and to build up your kingdom? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power, what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
Jesus is a stone you builders rejected, which has become a cornerstone. Salvation is founded no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And since they could not, <laughs> since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have heard and seen. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. The man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had to say to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations raise and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned property or houses sold them, brought the money from the cells, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And so there you have an ordinary day in the life of the early church, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is quite incredible. As we read the book of Acts, uh, we're, we're kind of overwhelmed by uh, what is happening, how quickly you know it seems you know to be happening, and everything that is going on around them. But we can't miss underlying all of the miracles and everything else that's going on, the power of the gospel at work transforming you know people's lives. And so we get a couple of. Uh, just progress reports, you know, that Luke gives us, telling us what's happening in the church and how the church is prospering. And you have two of them, you know, in, in this particular particular section. So what are some of the things that jump off the page as you guys read through this passage? Go ahead. I think the, <laughs> the first, you first, you first, Matt. The first. I'll yeah, comment so on what you said. I mean, the, the first Katie one will you, correct you, you after spoke you. about, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the progress reports is it, just, I love the the way that Luke characterizes it in verse 4, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who um, believed grew to about 5,000, you know, that they weren't simply believing just because they saw miracles happen, but they were believing the message they had heard. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, the message was being authenticated by these various signs 
you know, but, but it was the gospel that they had received from the Lord Jesus that they began to preach that was transforming the lives of people. And, and they, I mean, even the religious leaders and the Sadducees, they, they recognized it wasn't simply that they were just doing miracles. It was the message that, w- that was accompanying, right? It was the message that was at kind of the center. And the, the, these other things were just kind of pointing to that. That's what they were concerned yeah. with. You have to stop talking about this guy, Jesus. Like, you're doing these things. But it's the message that they were concerned about. Yeah. And you, you hear the triad um, often, you know, miracle signs and wonders, a lot of times signs and signs and wonders. And all three of those words really mean a lot. You know, miracle is the intervention of, you know, God in the natural created order. Wonders is, you know, how we respond to them. It's astounding to see God's hand at work. But signs mean that every one of these point to something far greater than mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, God is not just doing miracles for miracles' sake. He's pointing to the greater reality of the kingdom, which will restore all people and eventually restore all of creation. And so you see little you know, portents of this, you know, throughout the Gospels and throughout the book of Acts, where God just gives us a sign of, of, of the coming kingdom and the power of that kingdom. Mm-hmm. I definitely, and I, I spoke about this um, when we talked about Luke 21, but um, this is this is um, a fulfillment of what Jesus told his disciples would happen. Absolutely. That yeah. he, they would be filled by the Spirit and this, that they needn't worry about what to say because he would give them the words and that people wouldn't be able to refute it. And that's exactly what, I mean, even verse, verse 16 um, everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. They can't, they, they can't say or do anything um, to, to refute it. Right. So I, I love seeing um, this fulfillment of what Jesus told them would happen. Right. Uh, you'll be brought before kings and rulers and authorities in that moment, and you must testify me in that moment. Do not worry about what you'll say, but my spirit will give you words. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think that was definitely on the heart of the disciples because when they pray, and they mm-hmm. pray towards that end. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Mm-hmm. You know, so not only had they received that kind of you know promise from the Lord so long ago, you know, who knows, you know, maybe a few months before or whenever it was, but now they're beginning to live in light of that and pray in that reality that the same God who was with them and gave them the promise is the one who reigns and you know from heaven and still gives them. Yeah, that that power. I love their prayer. I just love seeing how they pray. It's kind of neat to just get a peek into their their prayer life as as disciples and as the the church really. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they really don't ask. They don't request anything of God until later in the prayer. They spend the I mean a good chunk of the beginning of it just telling him who he is. Yeah and sovereign lord and um and quoting scripture and uh, it's just it's beautiful well our, our instinct would be to pray you know lord remove these difficulties yeah, from us yeah. mm-hmm. and their prayer was lord sustain us in the midst of this difficulty yeah. Yeah. you know give us the ability to be your people in spite of uh the difficulty you know surrounding mm-hmm. us and so they're, they're, our prayers you know, tend to be a laundry list of things that we would like to see happen. There's a prayers of surrender to God and uh, what He has purposed, uh, and it should be fulfilled and happening. And they see that. And you see His answer. I mean, in verse is it 31, um, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and and spoke the word of God boldly. And their prayer was that he, this, His servants would be able to speak His word with great boldness. So it's like. Yeah. <laughs> When, and you see the boldness all throughout the chapter, you know, when they, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John 
And I, and I love that I phrase too, too that yeah. they realize they had been with Jesus. I mean, would yeah. that be true of us? And then they go and they say, you must stop talking about this. And they say, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him, you know, like right. who, who should we be listening to? And so you're seeing the courage and the boldness. And then you get to the end, you realize the reason they have this courage and this boldness is because they had been with Jesus. They believed he was a sovereign God, and even now he is filling them, you know, with the courage and boldness. Right. And, and of course, the mark of the gospel is not what we make of ourselves, but what we allow Jesus to make of us and what we make of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is what they're seeing. This is... This is extraordinary. These guys are Galileans, which are famous for not even being able to, you know, get two words, you know, lined mm-hmm. up in a sentence. Uh, but they're speaking boldly. They're speaking, you know, powerfully. Uh, they're everything but what they were in the moments before the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, shrinking back in front of a, a servant girl now standing before the Sanhedrin, uh, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love too. Just. The you have maybe two displays here where you see God God's grace powerfully at work amongst the city and before kings and rulers, but then you also see it powerfully at work, you know, in the church itself. So you see, you know, a miracle being performed and and they're proclaiming, you know, Jesus and and people are saying stop and they're saying no, we must proclaim this. But then back, you know, as they live together, it says all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own. It goes on, it says, and God's grace was powerfully, so powerfully at work in them all. I mean, I just love those two illustrations of, I think sometimes we think the greater grace is that God would bring some sort of revival and cities would come to know him. And we miss that, you know, another huge grace that God is at work, you know, or a sign that God is at work in his people is when we live in unity, you know, amongst one another. And, of course, this is fulfilling uh, God's original intention yeah. for his people as he describes you know, them coming to the land and trusting him. You know, big given houses that they did not build and vineyards that they did not plant mm-hmm. and opening their hearts and their hands to the needy around them and the foreigner yeah. uh, you know, who came into their land. And uh, then God said, and there need be no needy among you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, you know, Luke wants us to know that the reality you know, that was envisioned in the Old Testament of God's people deeply caring for one another is not realized until the New Testament church. The reality of what Israel was meant to be is becoming true in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are embodying God's promise to Israel, and you see the fulfillment of that promise here. Yeah, and we see Barnabas for the first time. Yes, (laughs) and introduced him, you know, with his nickname, Son of Encouragement. What a great, uh, what a great thought. Yeah. Just his heart for the church. I mean, he had a heart for the church because he he gave. I mean, think about the kind of uh, the kind of money that would be to lay at the apostles' feet. I mean, that shows us his heart to to minister um, in whatever way he could. So uh, one that. of one of you know many here were doing this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, their uh, their possessions became less important to them, and the body of Christ became more and more important yeah. to them and their witness for Christ became more and more important to them and of mm-hmm. course that is a sign that God's grace is at work when we have perspective that begins with our you know love for Christ and our love for each other and then love for stuff just kind of melts away mm-hmm. and, and, and falls off to the side and Barnabas was an encouragement in his words an encouragement in his actions and of course encouragement in his in his generosity we missed you, Matt. I was waiting. I need to give our psalm references to us. Oh, no. so psalm <laughs> psalm two and Psalm one eighteen. Yeah. 
uh, to you know messianic you know psalms uh, one eighteen you know the stone the builders have rejected has come the chief cornerstone is one Jesus quotes as, as well. Uh, Jesus has been rejected you know by Israel, but God is building everything on the foundation of who Jesus is. And then why do the nations rage? And they actually apply that. Herod, Pontius mm-hmm. Pilate, and the rulers of our people raged, you know, raised against Christ, or conspired against Christ, his holy servant whom you anointed. Mm-hmm. And, and I love 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God is sovereignly yeah. in control. And yeah. everything is, everything that seems out of control to us uh, is 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 according is according to plan, mm-hmm. and His grace is working in and through this for our good, for those who love Him, mm-hmm. and, and are called according to His purposes. Uh, nice passage. We could uh, linger here for for the whole week, <laughs> but we must move on. Matt, do yeah. you want to close this word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we do thank you for your word. Um, thank you for the reminder that that you are powerfully at work. Um, you are the sovereign Lord who is in control and, and powerfully at work um, in and over all things. And so, Father, we we thank you um, for this time together. Thank you that as we read your word, um, you are powerfully at work in us as well. And so, Father, we would, we, we kind of, we echo um, so much of what we read um, today that, that you would be so powerfully at work, your grace would be so powerfully at work um, that, Father, people would see what you're doing and, and marvel um, at who you are and what you've done. And so help us to live in light of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. Um, help us to rest in the salvation that we have in him. And, Father, would you open our hearts to be um, so generous um, and that would that measure of generosity be um, what you've given us in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the grace we have. Um, would we live in light of that today? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.